Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. I'm your host, Irvin Lee, and I have my uh, new friend and guest of the show, Laura, with me today. And we're going to do something a little bit different. I know we normally start off with the Word of God, but this story is so heart-wrenching and touching, not only to myself, but I believe to so many others. We want to talk about the impact and the prevalence of fentanyl, and, and Laura has a story that I believe needs to be heard around her and her son, Zach, and I really today want to get right into it. Hi, Laura. How are you? And welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so sorry if you heard my my dog Annie barking. <laughs> I guess she wanted to say hi as well. So hey, my mom's miss. gonna kind of remove her from the area, so we we won't have her. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, adding her two cents, but uh, she's she's precious. But I, I think but that's, I think that's great. We're we're very informal. We we like to be that way because life happens and. That's just a part of it. So we're just excited to have you on the show. And I want to I wanna have you start by giving us your background and your story and what I like to refer to as your testimony. And, and tell us about uh, your wonderful son, Zach. I actually read about it and saw it in the media. And I was seeking you out. So I wanted to say thank you for allowing our audience to have exposure to uh, your story. Well, I'm so grateful that you reached out because um, since being thrust into this crisis in the worst possible way, um, my entire focus, my, my, my passion and my life's work is spreading awareness and saving other families from this, this tragedy. We are in the midst of a, a really a new crisis mm -hmm. that this country hasn't seen. It's impacting a demographic of people that didn't used to die. And uh, my son got caught in that, um, that information gap, you know, yeah. this chasm um, that I'm just trying to really fill with information so other young people don't fall into it. So my uh, story begins with this beautiful young man, which, where's my camera? There yep, we are. Flat over, yes. Such yeah. a handsome young That's man. That's my son, Zach. Um, this picture was taken just a month or two before he was killed. Um, it was part of his senior photo package. Um, mm -hmm. Tragically, he passed away. He was killed six months before he could actually graduate from high school. He mm -hmm. was 17 years old. We are in a suburb of Sacramento, California, a very nice, you know, middle-class suburban, quiet suburb. He was a senior at high school and doing great, straight-A student, loved school, 
had a wonderful circle of friends. We, you know, we knew all his friends and their parents, um, a wonderful girlfriend of, of a year. They had a tremendous relationship. He was a track star um, at his school on the track team. He had just starred in the school musical. So if you're familiar with yeah. high school musical, um, he played Troy Bolton, the male lead, and was so proud of that, um, mm -hmm. did a great job. Yeah. He was a self-taught pianist and played piano every day. It was really, uh, music was a, a passion of his. Mm -hmm. So the lockdowns happened. Um, I did lose Zach about 19 months ago. Um, okay. But all things considered, he was really, you know, plugging along well. He was maintaining his grades and his friends had kind of figured out, a, you know, modified ways that they could socialize with each other and you know, and not um, risk COVID exposures. So we really had no red flags from Zach. Mm -hmm. But what transpired um, is tragically happening every day around this country. Um, Zach was, it was two days after Christmas of 2020. And okay. um, his, Zach's dad had noticed he wasn't yet up. It was around lunchtime. So he went to check on, on Zach and make sure he was uh, getting up and moving for the day. Yeah. And Zach appeared asleep at his desk. His head was down on mm -hmm. his computer keyboard. And as soon as Chris got close enough, um, he could see that something was tragically wrong. Um, Zach was already turning blue. And so there was no hope for resuscitation. He was, he was long gone. He'd been yeah. gone for a few hours. But he did try, Chris did try. Um, my other son, uh, Sam, called 911 and the paramedics tried, but it was uh, fruitless. Yeah. And when they, you know, this is when my, my daughter, our oldest child, called me to say, Mom, you need to get over here to the house. Um, it's Zach. Yeah. Kind of let it slip, uh, you know, that Zach was gone. Um, but, of course, I start screaming and, and losing it. So uh, she kind of talked me down as I drove, you know, to the house. And, but when I got there, um, there were first responders, law enforcement, my family all out on the driveway. Yeah. And as soon as I walked up, Chris said, um, our baby is gone. Wow. And we all had to remain outside so they could investigate because, um, they wanted to search the house for any clues as mm -hmm. to why he would be gone. Um, yeah. there were no Drugs found in his room. They ruled out self-harm immediately. There was no evidence that it, anything was intentional. So the first time I heard fentanyl was when um, the coroner's office was called, you know, to come get Zach. Mm -hmm. And our, our coroner, she said, um, I suspect we'll, we'll have to do an autopsy to rule out natural causes, but I suspect we're going to find fentanyl in his toxicology report. And I was like, what, what is, is fentanyl? Yeah. And how would my beautiful, healthy, straight-A student, athlete, musician yeah. get his hands on it? You know, and what are you telling me right now? I knew nothing of fentanyl yeah. and certainly nothing about these counterfeit pills. So as we were waiting for that confirmation, Zach's dad and I, you know, each did a tremendous amount of research and there wasn't a lot of information out there. This was nearly two years ago. Right. And there just wasn't that much, especially about the counterfeit pills. So when we got confirmation that it was fentanyl, we made a decision 
to be public and to warn our community first and foremost. Um, didn't imagine we could actually become part of a national awareness movement, but we have. Um, and we're just, we're grateful, especially to our local community. Um, as soon as we went public, every agency from law enforcement to healthcare professionals to the schools um, has partnered with us to amplify this awareness message. And, and not every bereaved family gets that kind of support. No, so not at, not at we all. feel That's really, awesome for really your grateful. I, I'm, uh, first of all, thank you to your local community for rallying around you guys. And talk to me a little bit about you, you, you had not heard of fentanyl. All of a sudden they're telling you about it. You go to do the research and you don't find much. And then there's two areas I think people need to be educated on. Just what is fentanyl, how powerful it is, and then thirdly, the counterfeit pills. Can you talk about those and, and share some insights? Absolutely. Yeah, it's really uh, a perfect storm. Um, right now, uh, you know, first, first of all, fentanyl is synthetic. Yeah. So it is made in a lab. It doesn't require plants or cultivation or farmers um, that can limit the supply and and raise prices you know depending on uh, when your supply is limited obviously yeah. prices are higher fentanyl is made from chemicals in a lab the supply is endless which mm -hmm. drives the price down which incentivizes dealers manufacturers to use fentanyl in place mm -hmm. of plant-based drugs yeah fentanyl is 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine mm -hmm. it is deadly in a minuscule amount it only takes mm -hmm. two milligrams to be potentially lethal yeah. uh, to a human and so uh it's just this horrible combination and then with the counterfeiting it's really um it's so nefarious this counterfeiting portion yeah. of it because what they're doing what these um cartels and, and, and other people that are pressing these pills, mm -hmm. they are capitalizing on the opioid crisis. And as a lot of people now, you know, understand we yeah. had an opioid crisis mm -hmm. um, with legitimate pharmaceutical pills. Well, yes. then those, those um, diverted pharmaceuticals have been really clamped down on, you know, mm -hmm. this overprescribing pill mills, has, which is great. It's been really right. tightened up. Well, the cartels decided to fill that void with these counterfeits. So it's very clear, it's it's very important for people to understand that these pills are not adulterated medicines. Okay. They are counterfeit from their inception. Yes. They are filler material and fentanyl. They are pressed in pill presses and stamped to look exactly like an Oxy, a Percocet, an mm. Adderall, a Xanax. And that's how especially these young people are being deceived because they've grown up around pills. Yes. You know, well, the pill culture has been very normalized. <laughs> yeah. There, something's bothering you. There's a pill for that. A lot of these young victims like my son will have, you know, a Google search that's on their phone, you know, saying they were looking for a Percocet pill, yeah. you know, maybe to, uh, to, uh, to self-medicate or or out of curiosity, and instead what they're getting is the most deadly substance out there without their knowledge or consent. And that's why this youth demographic is the fastest growing demographic of deaths. Yeah, and will you talk about 
how they are using technology to get the counterfeit pills and fentanyl into the hands of young consumers. Absolutely. That's another part of, of kind of what I call this perfect storm mm-hmm. um, is that now any any young person that has a smartphone basically has a drug dealer in their pocket. Mm-hmm. These dealers are very savvy um, and sometimes they're brazen. You know, some yeah. of them are are so brazen in the way that they that they advertise, you know, their wares on these social media pa- platforms um, for for Zach, uh, the platform that was utilized, this dealer was advertising on was Snapchat. Okay. But a lot of, of people are getting it through uh, Craigslist, through okay. Instagram, WhatsApp. I mean, any kind of um, uh, you know social media application. Okay. These dealers know how to how to leverage those and and really target our kids and they uh, are deceptive. What they're marketing is absolutely deceptive. Our kids don't understand. That's, that's what really incentivized me to, um, to kind of channel my grief into yeah. this advocacy. And it's not easy to do. There are days I don't want to get out of bed. I just, yeah. I want to cry. I want to watch videos of my son all day long. And mm-hmm. some days that's what I do. But I just remember the faces of Zach's friends when we had to tell them that he was gone and the horror on their faces of what do you mean there's fake pills out there? What they, they didn't know at all about this problem. And that's what continues to motivate me is these kids need to know these young people need to know what's going on. Lauren, let me, why do you think there hasn't been, widespread news coverage around this new emerging fentanyl epidemic? And then secondarily, what would you say to warn parents now with young adults and young teenagers, signs and things to look out for potentially? Sure. Um, I would say for the first part of that question, um, it's really stigma. So often this is still called an overdose. And when you use the word overdose, it conjures up images, you know, of people that are, that are heavily um, addicted, that, Mm -hmm. um, that tragically people just don't have as much empathy for. And that's, and that's horrible. We should have empathy for anyone that's on the, the drug spectrum. Yes. But when we and one of the missions for us grieving parents um for you know this group of of grieving parents is to update that narrative to the word poisoning because when you are given something deceptively Mm -hmm. and it kills you you're you've been poisoned yes and i think if we can really get that language updated it will make people understand that this can impact any family that um, hopefully we can re- reduce, if not eliminate, stigma around this topic. Yes. But I think so often when we went public with Zach's story and it was carried in our local news, uh-huh. the comments, the keyboard, you know, warriors yes. that come out, the comments were horrible. Yeah. You know, vilifying us as parents, saying our son deserved this. You know, and and I cried. I thought I don't want to mar the image of my beautiful child. He 
was an amazing person and, yeah. and wonderful human. And I had to just sort of armor up and say, you know what, I'll, I'll take those arrows. Yeah. I will, I will, um, I will do that in order to shield these kids from not having this information and, and succumbing, you know, to this, um, deceit. But I say stigma is the big reason. And because we aren't using the accurate, a lot of the media is not using the accurate language to describe this problem. Um, and, and then in terms of talking to your young people, yes, I would say that fentanyl and counterfeit pills must be a part of any conversation that you have with your, with your young person about drugs, because, you know, it used to be that if you, you know, had a great rapport with your child and you, uh, you were at all their sporting events and you felt like you had good communication, yes. you know, you might, you might, um, be, you might have time to see red flags if things changed with your child. You know, mm -hmm. we always tell parents, look for the grades dropping or they lose interest in yes. their activities or their friends, you know, friend group changes. You may get none of those signs. My son tried a pill and two days later, he tried a second pill and he was dead. Yeah. There was no, no chance to see any kinds of, of signs with him. He was very, he had just dipped his toes into experimentation and he was gone. So I guess what I would want to tell parents is don't be complacent. You have to have these hard conversations because the drug lens Gabe has changed. Don't don't think that just because you aren't seeing any kind of signs that your family would be immune to this danger. Sometimes kids make impulsive decisions. Sometimes there's peer pressure. Sometimes there's self-medication that didn't used to be deadly. You know, if yeah. Zach had actually gotten the Percocet pill he was looking to try, he would be here. Yeah. But there was no Percocet in that pill. None, none, whatso none whatsoever. And the ability for us to have courageous conversations will allow us then to remove some of the stigma. And that's one of the, our goals is, is really to be a voice around the, the poisoning that's happening to our young people, the addiction that is happening to our young people and removing that stigma, uh, because I, I love the way you framed it up and talked about having em empathy for everyone along the spectrum of addiction, of overdose, and of, I love the, the, the fact of poisoning. Now, how long and, and where are you in the process of getting that language changed? Where's that at? Well, there has been very good progress with that, I would say. Um, okay. A lot of the leadership uh, at the DEA, all of the leadership at the DEA, starting okay. from the top with Administrator Ann Milgram, she now, you know, refers to this death toll as uh, poisonings and overdoses. Okay. Um, and also, um, Dr. Raul Gupta, the, who heads up the ONDCP, he also, I was just at a conference where he spoke and I got to meet him and he also uses the language overdoses and poisonings. Okay. So that's, that's a tremendous step. Um, as I mentioned, all of us bereaved parents, when we see these news, um, 
you know, uh, headlines or these broadcasts, we'll write into the stations, you know, and write into the reporters and say, here's some information and why we really need you to understand that 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 is not the proper word for Mm -hmm. this death. Um, My son did not overdose on Percocet. He was poisoned by a counterfeit Percocet pill that he did not know contained fentanyl. He thought it was the real deal. Yeah. So um, it, but it just takes, unfortunately, it just takes a lot of voices and a lot of time to get, to get those things updated. Um, And in the meantime, we're losing just dozens and dozens of, of, well, hundreds every day and dozens of those being um, young adults under 25. And every day, it seems that I turn on the television and there's a, another fentanyl poison, poison, uh, happening. How I want to shift gears and I want, I want to ask you, you know, how are you doing? How's the family doing? How's Zach's dad doing and how the, the children, his, his siblings, how are they recovering? I'd say we're doing as, as well as, as we could hope to be doing. Um, we got into therapy right away mm-hmm. um, for for this uh, trauma because it's not just the loss of of our son tragically and suddenly, but he died in in our home. We saw, you know, not to be too graphic, but we saw his dead body, you know, taken out of our home in a body bag. It's an intense trauma. Yes. So we um, got into therapy, you know, right away. Each of us. Okay. We have a tremendous support system with our extended families. Mm-hmm. We really, I, I called it our grief bubble. Um, mm-hmm. After we lost Zach, we really, the other two kids, and, and though Chris and I aren't married, we um, partnered up right away in terms of advocating together yeah. and grieving together and surrounding our kids, um, like I say, in what I called our grief bubble. Yes. Um, our older, our other two kids were older, so Mm -hmm. they were able to process this, um, through a, an adult brain, you know, um, they were 25 and 22 when their brother died. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, we could have, you know, those really more adult type conversations around all of this. Mm -hmm. They've also helped us with advocacy. So my, my middle child, Sam actually participated in an interview on the Today Show with Natalie Morales around mm-hmm. this um, issue. I think they have also found it to be therapeutic to engage in, in advocacy work. Yes. Um, but it's it's mainly the amount of love and support and prayers that have surrounded us that have, have carried us through this. And in terms of our advocacy work, um, just having that support, I mentioned really our whole community just coalescing around Zach's story. Yes to help us amplify the message and it just helps us feel um like we're not alone it really really does it's very very helpful to feel that and our county in sacramento and um and in placer zach died actually in placer county which is right outside of sacramento county Uh but we've worked with both of the district attorneys for sacramento county and placer county and they've both launched one pill can kill sac and one pill can kill Placer campaigns. Okay. Um, the Placer campaign kind of centers around Zach's story, and we've got billboards and a PSA that runs at the movie theater before the movies start around Zach's story, um, and a, a really comprehensive website that will also guide people to resources. 
um, because the kids that don't encounter a fatal mount quickly like Zach did, um, yeah. the fentanyl addiction is insidious. And that's what these dealers are banking on is they're going to be grooming repeat customers. And if someone dies, they, they truly just don't care. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just about the dollar. It's about getting people addicted and coming back for more and some dead customers is just the cost of doing business. And fortunately my County in California is, is saying no more to that. They're really investigating these things as crimes. Um, yeah. We actually are at the conclusion of the criminal case in Zach's case. Okay. And the sentencing hearing is scheduled for September 1st. Okay. Um, but it's rare. It's very rare to get a criminal case. We were we were fortunate that there was so much digital evidence on Zach's phone, mm -hmm. and his girlfriend knew his code, so she was able to unlock that for the detectives right away. There was other digital evidence that they were able to put together, um, and it was so substantial that um, he was charged with involuntary manslaughter and okay. selling to a minor. They were in considering additional charges, um, but the the dealer pled to those charges and, and accepted um, the full, the max sentences for those charges. And so we won't have to go through a trial, Okay, which okay. is which is kind good, of right from from you guys perspective of of having to relive all of that. And Laura, one of the things that I like about you is your strength and your courage. Speak to moms out there who have lost a son or a daughter, a child to overdosing or poisoning. Well, I would say that, you know, everyone has to honor their own grief journey. I certainly don't expect everybody that has experienced something like this to, to jump up out there into advocacy. Everybody's got to prioritize self-care. Um, above all else, and that is a part of, of my journey is is self care with the things that that boost you know my um, my serotonin you know help yeah. to to combat the intense pain. For me, getting outside is very helpful. Time with friends is really helpful, and therapy has been very helpful. But I would also say that. Um, if and when someone is ready to come forward and be public and they want to join into advocacy, this unfortunate club, you know, that I have found myself in mm -hmm. is, is full of tremendous people with compassion and, um, and wanting to help each other. It's, it's really beautiful um, to see that we've got a circle of, of moms here in my area and we just really jump in with each other. What do you need? How can I help you? Just sending a text um, or taking you for coffee or something. But I'm, I'm hoping that as more of us are speaking out, that it will just encourage and embolden others to speak out and know that we're, we're in this together. Our motives are, are good, mm -hmm. you know, to, to use our stories to help and the stigma to help put a face to this crisis um, and it, to help uh, people feel more empathy and, and kindness. Um, but I would just encourage them to know that they're, they're not alone. And if they have suffered a loss like, like mine or, um, or fentanyl poisoning through the adulterated, you know, uh, drug supply, 
at Song for Charlie, that's the nonprofit that I work with, yeah. songforcharlie.org mm-hmm. is our website. There are great resources on there, great videos, explainer videos that can be a good starting point for families. There's a four-minute explainer video on these counterfeit pills and fentanyl and why kids are so particularly vulnerable to, to this deception. And it's a great way to get this conversation started. But with regard to, to people who have already unfortunately suffered a, a trauma like like mine, yes. we also have, um, I reach out to any bereaved family members that sign up, you know, on Song for Charlie that that give us, um, you know, their their email address. I write, I write to those families and I just wow. said, how can I help you? What resources, you know, or just, if you just want to zoom and talk to someone who understands, we periodically do group zooms, um, based on, you know, interest of pe- people want to kind of share in a group setting, um, virtually as a safe space. It's, it's all, you know, private. We all honor each other's stories and each other's children. Um, I just want to be there for people. Thank you. Thank you. That is also great. And we will also put that up on our website. And that way you can, anyone who needs help and wants to be comforted or just talk to or have someone to share with, we will put all the information up at the end of the show for Song for Charlie. And just to clarify on that, it's not clinical therapy. I'm not a licensed therapist. Um, So it's it's obviously, uh, it wouldn't substitute for someone getting actual clinical therapy. It's just meant to be a space so that you understand that you're not alone and Mm. there are families just like you that are trying to navigate this. Yes, you touched on something that is, is so powerful when you're going through something. We always internalize and it feels like we're the only one. And when we can meet someone and have someone put their arms around us and say exactly what you said, hey, I've been there, you're not alone. That is so comforting. So, Laura, I wanted you to talk about what can we say and what more can we do to talk to those in power, to get them more engaged around this particular issue of fentanyl poisoning and overdose? Well, I think what we need to do is really try to look at this in a nonpartisan way. Unfortunately, the country is Things are just so divisive and divided politically right now. And when you have that type of gridlock, nothing meaningful gets done. Yeah. So I think it's just really time for us to, you know, extend our arms to each other in in all of the communities that that are impacted by this. Every community is impacted by this. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what side of the aisle you're on. And we need to work together. In, in finding real meaningful solutions to this. So I encourage you to reach out to your local officials, um, you know, share why this issue is important to you. Um, the media is a great tool as well. Yes. They have, our local media has been wonderful in really trying to get this narrative right mm-hmm. and highlight, you know, these stories of uh, our community has been hit quite hard in the Sacramento area, really hard by these counterfeit pills. And so our, you know, you can leverage media coverage so that elected officials understand like what a crisis this is 
um, and you can get a lot more people, um, you know, to do letter writing campaigns, go to your officials offices in person. If, if that's allowed now, you know, and set up a meeting and say, this is really, really, you know, important, um, that we all work together on this. Okay. That's great. And I want to shift gears just a little, and I, I want you to share more about Zach and what you would want our audience to take away about Zach. And although his life seems short, but he's, he seemed to have had such a, a rich and fruitful life. He really did. And I love talking about him. So thank you for that question. Yeah. Um, he was just a, a happy kid from the get-go. He was mm-hmm. a great baby, a very energetic and happy toddler. He lit, He truly did light up a room. He yeah. was so charismatic and people gravitated toward him. He always had wonderful friends, really, really top-notch you know, friends. They all looked out for each other. Yeah. He was really gifted, talent, you know, talented musically. He loved learning. He was really into the, the last few years of his life. He was really into listening to podcasts, actually. Uh-huh. And, you know, especially like a long form type podcast where he could really learn a lot about an issue. Um, he wanted to go to school for psychology. Okay. He actually had just applied to our University of California system, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very competitive out here. Yes. About three weeks um, before he died, he had submitted the applications. And three months after he died, we got all of his acceptance letters, um, including to UCLA, which was his kind of his top UC that he was interested in. Um, He was still hoping he could pursue the arts, but he just said, mom, I, I, when he was deciding on what major to apply with, he said, mom, I I don't exactly know what I want to do, but I know I want to help people. Mm -hmm. And so he put psychology down. He wanted to help people and kind of understand how people think and why they think a certain way and how to just really, um, have, have very well rounded conversations, um, based on, on knowledge and, and compassion. And he just, everybody loved him. After he passed away, we got um, emails and messages, social media, you know, message, private messages from all of these young people that we knew and, and peers at his school that we didn't know, just sharing these tremendous stories, you know, about, I just moved to the area and Zach was the first person that reached out to me to, to welcome me to the school. And, and anytime Zach saw someone sad, he'd try to make a joke or just try to brighten their day. And mm-hmm. that he, that's just the spirit that he lived with. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to carry that through as his legacy. And, and actually I am, um, I'm not sure if you'll be able to see it on camera probably because oh, I've got my I, blur I, thing okay. on, but I got it. Oh, I got a tattoo in Zach's honor. Okay. So the words that go around the circle, it's, it's a heart with an infinity. It has Zach and 17, um, cause he was 17 when he died. And when he was a freshman in high school, they had the students write a letter to their future self that yeah. they were going to then unseal um, at their graduation. So he was 14 when he wrote this letter to his future self. And he had a lot of fun stuff in there. And then in the conclusion, it said, always remember our friends 
family, dogs, and potential we have in life. Good luck on whatever project you're working on right now. Don't forget to smile. Have the best day of your life. Zach. So that first sentence is what I have kind of as a halo around my heart is always remember our friends, family, dogs, Mm -hmm. and potential we have in life. And so it's kind of my touchstone, you know, so when I things get tough and rough and I don't feel like I can armor back up and, and tackle that next assembly or public outreach event, I just, I just touch there right there. And remember the potential that we all have in life. And I'm just trying to um, live live up for that. That's the way Zach lived. And so I feel like my greatest way to um, promote his legacy and honor his legacy is to try to live the way he did. Wow. And, And you are doing a wonderful job of that. And I want you to talk about just the importance of not isolating when you're going through this yeah it it really is so important um to reach out to you know people that have compassion and and nowadays there's it's so much easier even to do that you know virtually i mean face to face is great but you may not have someone in your town or neighborhood who has faced this trauma Mm -hmm. so um even if you can reach out virtually if that is, you know, your your best way to do it. Do it. There's there are wonderful support groups, um, fentanyl awareness groups on Facebook that welcome, you know, parents in. Some that are more geared toward advocacy mm-hmm. work. Some that are more geared toward, you know, grief support. And you can really find the best fit for you um, through these groups. So I would encourage people, you know, to reach out. And, and and know you're not alone and know that there are people that are going through it. There are people that understand it. There are people that will help help you through it, especially if in, you're in that early acute phase of it where it's so overwhelming and it's so devastating and it's very hard to see anything but your pain. Okay. There, there are those of us who are a little further along in the journey who can honor that space that you're in, but also tell you that you're, um, you can be okay. And we're here to help that happen. That is, that is awesome. And I have to touch on the uniqueness of Zach's father, Chris, and your relationship, Laura, can you talk about that, uh, to, and for our audience? Sure. Um, so Chris is uh, Zach's dad. And we've known each other, so, you know, I was a teenager when we met. Um, And we were married for quite a number of years. Um, We did part um, several years before we lost Zach, but it's his, we've remained amicable. We still had maintained our our family home. We had decided that would be best for Zach until graduation, that uh, we alternated time, you know, in, in our family house and every we were all very very connected and and doing you know doing really great um when we did tragically lose zach it was chris's time at the house and so um i was coming later that day anyway but i obviously sped over as soon as i got the word and 
And then once, you know, we lost Zach, we, we pretty much um, put what I called a grief bubble yeah. around that house. And we just stayed there um, with our, with our other two kids to just try to process this all together. We were yeah. it was like a bomb went off in our house mm-hmm. that we didn't even know existed. So th- that's just the way that we decided to, it would be best for our other two kids um, to, to, to grieve like that and to share our resources with each other. Yes. For the first couple of months, there was constant activity at the house, family and friends bringing us food and, and crying with us and trying to distract us with Ted Lasso. We binge watched Ted Lasso <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to try to, um, you know, kind of get away from the pain um, for a little bit at least. And, and that was kind of, it was just recently in the spring that we, that we finally sold that house and, um, you know, and our other two kids don't live in town and and they were, you know, so it it made sense to, to kind of uh, close that, that part of our process, but we are a team. We call ourselves team Zach. So anytime we are doing local advocacy work, uh, whenever possible, he's a, pilot Mm -hmm. so sometimes he's out of town he's a commercial pilot and um but he's been pretty good about being able to coordinate his schedule so that when we have these local awareness events he is able to to be there it's very rare that he is not able to be there okay and will you make sure you give chris our regards and i hope to have you guys on again soon the both of you but i love how you and chris chose love and unity right in the midst of the crisis that you were going through despite not being married how you came together as a family and created what you call your grief bubble um, which which is amazing and i think that is an example of what we should do right when god calls us to love one another and that's what you guys have done and I, when you told me that story, I, I was moved to tears. And But I'm also excited because I love when love and unity wins out over everything else that could be going on around us. We need more examples of what you and Chris did. So thank you for that. Uh, and thank you. As we get ready to close, I'm going to give you the floor. And I want you to share what you would like to share about anything else around Zach, around your mission, your advocacy, and then close by letting people know where they can reach you or reach out to you. Um, We have committed to having you back on the show again. We've also committed to putting together more information and more shows built around the harm and the danger and the impact that fentanyl is having on our young people. Well, once again, thank you so much for inviting me onto your platform to amplify this message and really help update the narrative on what this crisis is and put a face to what this crisis is. We do have this demographic, you know, of people that are that are dying, first-time users, experimenters, people who might, you know, recreate with with drugs that are now being killed by Fentanyl. These are these are poisoning deaths. Often, very often, the consumer was not looking for fentanyl. Did not know that fentanyl would be there. 
including, you know, my precious son, Zach. So anytime I'm able to, to share that and, and help get these conversations going, I'm very grateful to do that. Zach, I know would want me and his father to do this work. Um, he did, like I mentioned, he wanted to help other people in his life. And so carrying on his legacy in, in this way of helping others is absolutely what we're committed to doing. As I mentioned before, the nonprofit that I have aligned with is songforcharlie.org, O-R-G. And it is all of the resources on there are, they're free, they're downloadable, they're shareable. We're trying to just warn the kids where they are in their language. The, the primary uh, focus with Song for Charlie is around the counterfeit pills. You know, we do talk about fentanyl in general. We have a whole back sheet about fentanyl, um, but our primary focus is this younger demographic of victim that is really falling prey to these fake pills. Yes. Uh, and we've got great video resources on there. We have resources for, for teachers, for parents, for students. So we're always looking to partner with, you know, organizations that are in this drug use prevention space. And any way we can partner with other organizations to just further, you know, widen the scope of, of who we can reach. Wow. The, this has been so wonderful, so educational and so empowering. Thank you, Laura, you and Chris and your family and Song for Charlie, all the work that you guys are doing. Now, audience, what we want you to do is to share this with young people so they are aware of the pitfalls, the dangers of overdosing and poisoning from fentanyl and the counterfeit, counterfeit pills. We need you to share this and get this message out. Lord, may God richly bless you and your family. And may God continue to bless the work that you guys are doing to keep Zach's wonderful memory alive. God bless you. Thank you so much. And God bless too. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.